presidential candidate John McCain speaks out today, saying Barack Obama, his likely opponent in November, lacks the judgment to keep us safe. Prince Caspian opens today. We'll discuss it with Ted Baer of Movie Guide. Plus, we'll look at a faith-based effort to help prison inmates prepare to become productive members of society today on Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. That's exactly the kind of appalling attack that's divided our country and that alienates us from the world. And that's the kind of hypocrisy that we've been seeing in our foreign policy, the kind of fear peddling, fear mongering that has prevented us from actually making us safer. All right, that's Barack Obama, and he is reacting to President Bush speaking out in the Jewish Knesset, saying that we shouldn't negotiate with terrorists. Now, it's revealed today that Bush was actually talking about Jimmy Carter, but Barack Obama took it as a personal insult because that's his strategy, too. So when we come up in the second segment, we're going to ask this question. Is Barack Obama ready for prime time when it comes to the job of commander-in-chief? We'll hear President Bush, we'll hear John McCain, and Obama in his own words. What else, Penna? Well, also, Dr. Johnson, what is the best way to help prisoners once they're released from going back to a life of crime? Well, you know, what's God's route to recidivism reduction? We're going to ask Bill Robinson of Corrections Concepts Incorporated. He says it's a good idea to give them some job training. But first, it's Friday, and it's time to think about the weekend. And we've got an idea for you, the new Narnia movie. I don't remember any ruins in Narnia. I wonder who lived here. I think we did. I think it's time we found out what went on here. Who are you? I am Prince Gaspian. All that you know is about to change. All right, the new Narnia movie, 
Prince Caspian is out today. Let's talk to our movie man, Dr. Ted Baer. He's chairman of the Christian Film and Television Commission, founder and publisher of MovieGuide.org. Ted, welcome back. Give us a preview of this movie, Prince Caspian. Well, I saw Prince Caspian a couple of weeks ago in New York and got the wonderful opportunity to interview uh, Andrew Adamson and the four actors who played the Pevensey children. And a lot of that is on the MovieGuide.org site. But uh, it is a wonderful, entertaining movie. I think most of the critics, even the uh, secular critics, are walking out. I think Rotten Tomatoes has rated it as 90% uh, approval rating by the critics, which is very high for them. That said, if you're going into the movie thinking that this is going to be the book, it is not the book. Uh, There's uh, about 30% that comes from the book. And what Adamson did is leave the faith messages of the book in, but he reoriented the story so that it could be a straight All right, Ted, you're on a cell phone. You're breaking up. We may have lost you. Are you still there? Well, we're going to make... Are you there, Ted? I feel like the Verizon guy. Can you hear me now? <laughs> but he's off. Uh, but uh, actually, this is really interesting, Penna, because um, it's very typical. We did the hunt for Red October the other day. And uh, we found out that the movie strays from the book. Big time. And that strays from the truth. Mm. Uh, and here we see with this Christian allegory series, this, not, this fictional series, that the movie um, leaves the book, but not theologically or not in the message, but uh, in the details. So that that's kind of interesting. Well, it's kind of amazing because usually when a movie strays from a book, they wipe out the faith messages and leave the secular messages. So this is good news. <laughs> well, we want to ask you to call in if you've seen it. I suspect some of you have already been out today to see the matinee. The number is 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Have you seen the movie? Tell us what you think, what you like, what you didn't like, or if you've read the book. And you have a comment on this idea of the movie uh, not really telling the message of the book. 800-881-9270 or email us talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. We're talking about the Narnia movie. And uh, let's go for a sidebar right now just on a little campaign update. We're trying to get Ted Bear, and uh, we'll, we'll have him back in a minute, I think. But uh, today, Hillary Clinton responded to uh, John Edwards, who has endorsed Barack Obama. I imagine that Senator Edwards' endorsement will uh, be of some help uh, to Senator Obama in Kentucky. Uh, uh, But I think that uh, what matters is uh, the people who actually vote. Well, just at the time when Obama is in trouble on this foreign policy gaffe, uh, Clinton looks now like uh, a doomed, failed a lost cause. It's a shame, I guess, for her that uh, he was cracked up so late in the game. But uh, Ted Bear is back on the line. So let's go back to Ted. Great. Ted, we lost you somewhere in uh, the wardrobe, I guess. You, uh, uh, <laughs> We're glad yes, you're uh, back. <laughs> I, I'm in Virginia because my son is graduating, uh, my second son from UVA Law School. Congratulations. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, Virginia is uh, you know, not as advanced as Texas is with the great... Uh, <laughs> technology. Well, there's a lot of mountains and things. Well, Ted, um, tell us, uh, it's interesting you said the the theological and the spiritual content is preserved. What does this movie teach us about God, for instance? 
Well, it teaches us that ultimately man and uh, the sentient beings cannot solve the plot problem. They need to pray, they need to call out to God, hmm. they need to sound the alarm and uh, ask for God's help, and only God can solve our problems, which is hmm. a very critical point. Really, what this movie is, uh, C.S. Lewis said it's the restoration of true religion. It could also be seen as the book of Acts. It's the book of how each one of the young children, the Pevensey children, comes to faith in God, in Jesus Christ. But here it's Aslan, who is the supposal of what would happen if God sent his only begotten son to another world. And they get caught in situations that they cannot solve the plot problem. Only God can solve the plot mm. problem, which is a wonderful revelation. It's a revelation that says you need faith, but it also says that there is a Savior. There is somebody who is going to come to your aid when you call upon his name. Dr. Baer, we touched on this earlier this week, uh, the faith of Lucy and how she's the only one that sees Aslan for a while, yet she ends up having to go with her brothers and sisters uh, the wrong way for a little while. And I, I think there's a lesson in that, too, isn't there? Uh, well, and, it, and of course, the book is not structured the way the movie is. So in the book, each one of them uh, opens up to Aslan at a different time. Lucy thinks she sees Aslan in the movie. Uh, she dreams about Aslan in the movie. She has an experience. Okay. But really, the, 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 the key point is when they all get to see Aslan uh, in the flesh, so to speak, is at the critical moment in the battle when it looks like all of Narnia is about to be destroyed. Well, that is a very wonderful... You know, Adam, Andrew Adamson, who did the uh, directed and wrote the, the book, his family had a church in Papua Guinea, and if you go on movieguide.org, you can see my interview with him. Uh, and he did a wonderful job of, of just heightening the sense of faith, the need for faith, the need to call out to God. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Dr. Ted Baer, founder, publisher of MovieGuide.org. You can see these exclusive interviews on that website. Uh, Ted, let me ask you this. There are some parents that aren't familiar with these books. I mean, most Christians are, many are, but some still aren't. Uh, is this suitable for children of all ages? Where would you cut this off? Well, I'd say because we, we look at the ages of children very carefully, and, uh, you know, one of the stages is three to seven and, and those children are you too young. Um, there's a little, little bit of violence. There's a lot of battles going on. There's even an assassination. It's really for seven and up. It's done like an old-fashioned Hollywood swashbuckling adventure. Ooh, I like that. But I'd say some of the violence is too much for a little child. All right. Well, Dr. Ted Bear, we want to thank you for being with us. And uh, this is an important week for Christians to go out and support this film. Is it uh, the, the opening weekend quite a, an indicator of a movie's success? I'm glad you said that, because if the movie doesn't make it in the opening weekend, then it won't make it after that. You know, Speed Racer came and went last week so fast you uh, thought that it didn't even get off the finish line. So the, <laughs> the point of this all is that uh, Prince Caspian... Is the most faithful movie this year. It's surely going to be up for the Movie God Awards, and you need to see it quickly so that it builds an audience because it's going to be followed by one big uh, blockbuster after another. And Prince Caspian is the most faithful of all of them. Dr. Ted Bear, founder of MovieGuide.org, a tremendous website. Ted, thanks for being with us. 
Oh, thank you, Jerry. Have a great day. All right. I'm going to see this movie tomorrow. Me too. With another family and their children. And let me encourage you, you know, to get on the Internet or get a newspaper today. Find out where this movie is. Get some folks in your church together or some non-Christians out there to go see this movie with you. Because we do need to support uh, good kinds of movies, Christian movies, and movies with a, with a good message. This one's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I've seen the previews, and I'm very excited. I can't imagine uh, anything more fun to do tomorrow. All right. John McCain out there uh, made a prediction yesterday that we could be done in Iraq by 2013. Uh, That would be the end of his presidency, if he is president. How convenient. And uh, he's been criticized, and today he defended that claim. As you can imagine, there was a strong reaction. Some said it can't be done. Our nation could not achieve those things. Well, I reject that. I reject the idea of an America that is in decline. This nation's best days are ahead of us. Americans are hurting today, but we will and we must get past it. I have a plan and we will do what Americans have always done. We will dream and strive and hand off to the next generation of Americans an even greater nation. All right, in just a few minutes, um, we're going to walk you through uh, a controversy that's erupting. President Bush over in Israel, speaking to the Knesset, said, look, now is not the time to appease the dictators and compromise with the Islamo-fascist and terrorists. We don't want to have summits with the evildoers. And Barack Obama took personal offense because Barack Obama has indicated that he would have direct talks with Ahmadinejad and Hamas and others. Uh, actually, the Bush camp says today, we were talking about Jimmy Carter coming over here a week or two ago. That's interesting. And so, uh, you know, the guilty dog barks first, but it's out now that Obama thought he was talking about him. And so Obama defending himself, the Bush team responding, McCain responding to that. We have actual sound, though of what Barack Obama said he would do vis-a-vis the Islamo-fascist dictators like Ahmadinejad and others. And so when we come back, we're going to talk about that. Is Obama ready for prime time as commander and chief? Of course, the music you hear in the background is from Prince Caspian. The new Narnia movie breaks out today. Later in the program, what's a Christian view of prison, punishment, reform and restitution. We're going to talk with someone who says they can reform the prison system as we know it. Also, Dr. Criswell preaching on Sunday night, 7 o'clock, KCBI, KCRN, KSYA. You don't want to miss that. 7 o'clock, Dr. W.A. Criswell, WACriswell.com. It's Jerry Johnson live with Pennedexter. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Chris.
Bristol College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. They're trying to fool you and trying to scare you, and they're not telling the truth. And the reason is is because they can't win a foreign policy debate on the merits. But it's not going to work. And it's not going to work this time, and it's not going to work this year. All right, that is Barack Obama, and what he's saying is that President Bush and John McCain are liars. They're not telling the truth, and they can't win a foreign policy debate. What are his credentials on foreign policy? I think he's revealing something about that this week, Penna. Well, I think he is, and let's get a little bit of the background on this, because yesterday at the Israeli Knesset, and of course, President Bush is over there uh, for a lot of reasons, but partly to celebrate the 60th anniversary of, the, of Israel. And uh, he is criticizing those who argue that the U.S. should talk to terrorist groups and Iran. Some seem to believe that we should negotiate with the terrorists and radicals as if some ingenious argument will persuade them they have been wrong all along. We've heard this foolish delusion before. As Nazi tanks, tanks crossed into Poland in 1939, an American senator declared, Lord, if I could only have talked to Hitler, all this might have been avoided. We have an obligation to call this what it is, the false comfort of appeasement, which has been repeatedly discredited by history. A pretty clear statement by President Bush. Of course, Barack Obama saw himself in this, and he saw this as an attack against himself. Now, today, as Dr. Johnson said earlier, the White House said this was basically talking about Jimmy Carter. In fact, the press secretary, Dana Perino, said that this type of language is typical for President Bush's speeches, and he he doesn't necessarily aim it at any one particular person. And as a matter of fact, one of the national security spokespersons for the president, uh, Gordon Jondro, said, that there's a wide range of people who have talked to or suggested that we talk to Hamas or Hezbollah. I mean, even Nancy Pelosi went over and talked to some of these folks. And, uh, of course, President Carter doing the same thing. Uh, But Barack Obama, uh, again, saw this as an attack. In fact, he he said it was a, a false political attack. But let's go back to last summer to hear what he did say. Now, this is during the Democratic presidential debate that was held at the Citadel in South Carolina. It was both um, Obama and Hillary were there. They were asked if they would be willing to meet with leaders of Iran, Syria, Venezuela, and North Korea. And here were their answers. Senator Obama? I would. Uh, And the reason is this, that the notion that somehow not talking to countries uh, is punishment to them, Uh, which has been the guiding uh, diplomatic principle of this administration, is ridiculous. Ronald Reagan and Democratic presidents like JFK constantly spoke to Soviet Union at a time when Ronald Reagan called them an evil, evil empire. And the reason is because they understood that we may not trust them, they may pose an extraordinary danger to this country, uh, but we have the obligation to find uh, areas where we can potentially move forward. 
All right, Penna, that's very interesting because mm-hmm. he definitely said, for the record, I would go meet with these kinds of dictators. Now, I want to play again his response this week to what President Bush said at the Knesset. That's exactly the kind of appalling attack that's divided our country and that alienates us from the world. And that's the kind of hypocrisy that we've been seeing in our foreign policy, the kind of fear peddling, fear mongering that has prevented us from actually making us safer. All right, Obama called this an attack, and he talked about how divisive this attack was. And um, I cannot imagine how the Democrats, particularly Obama, could take this line. They have attacked the commander-in-chief. They have attacked the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They have attacked the generals. They've said, we, won't, we don't believe you, your political hacks. And they have undermined the military. And uh, for him to say that uh, the president, is uh, dividing the country or hurting our foreign policy effort, when in fact that's exactly what he's doing with his kind of undermining of the military and the campaign over there. Now, John McCain weighing in on this as well. Uh, Here's John McCain uh, weighing in on the idea that you can talk with the evildoers. He should have known better. I have some news for Senator Obama. Talking, not even with soaring rhetoric, in unconditional meetings with a man who calls Israel a stinking corpse and arms terrorists who kill Americans will not convince Iran to give up its nuclear program. It is reckless. It is reckless to suggest that unconditional meetings will advance our interests. John McCain, when he says things like this, he does it from being a senator for 25 years and watching uh, you know, attempts at appeasement and then uh, times when we had a strong military and, and more of a threat or a sanction against a country. And he's watched what works and what doesn't work. And I think that's the difference between him and Barack Obama, who, in a sense, you know, has a naive view, I think, of foreign policy. He doesn't have much experience, number one. And it is naive to say that you could sit down with an Ahmadinejad and make an agreement. If you made an agreement, you would have to assume that it would be violated by the other side. So it would be stupid to make the agreement. Well, Let's put out a question here. The number is 800-881-9270. Who would be the better commander-in-chief, John McCain or Barack Obama? Or, we'll put it this way, is Barack Obama ready for prime time as commander-in-chief? Is there a naivete when it comes to dealing with the evildoers, that he can just sit down and have a chat with Ahmadinejad or Chavez or or Castro? Is he ready? 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. Here's John McCain again on the need to be tough. You know, it would be a wonderful thing if we lived in a world where we don't have enemies, but that's not the world we live in. And until Senator Obama understands that reality, the American people have every reason to doubt whether he has the strength, judgment, and determination to keep us safe. All right. Well, that's a pretty strong claim there he's making, and he's saying this kind of appeasement um, talk indicates Obama isn't ready. We've got a caller on the line, Susanna from Oxahatchee. Thank you for calling. Uh, Susanna, what's your view? Well, thank you, Dr. Johnson, for taking my call at this moment. Um, I was born in South America, in Venezuela. I grew up in Spain. I had the privilege of seeing the transition of democracy, and and I grew up 
in a country at that time where we're transitioning into democracy and we were fighting the the ETA, uh, the terrorists, the vast terrorists in Spain. Um, and I'm seeing the developments right now that are occurring of, on foreign policy. I do believe that um, the fact that Jimmy Carter is not a supporter of our country actually has let United States right. down. And the fact that uh, he has done more damage than good when he went to Venezuela when they had the referendum on, yes. on December two years ago. Uh, people were rallying in Venezuela. They don't want Chavez on, in power. And unfortunately, Mr. Carter went and rubber stamped um, you know, what Chavez has done, you know, trumping the, uh, the referendum. And I don't think that um, Barack is a good candidate. I don't think he'll be doing any good for the United States. I think the policy that Spain had uh, during Asnar presidency of not dealing with ETA and, the, and, and their activities, it has worked. ETA's almost defeated in Spain. And I don't think we need to do the same uh, as Jimmy Carter has suggested. Thanks, Susanna. So, uh, really, Obama, Jimmy Carter, light, the same method, the same MO mm -hmm. of negotiating. A smiley face approach with the terrorist. What they understand is the sword and force. And uh, Jesus said those who live by the sword will die by the sword. You know, there's a basic assumption that's being made, I think, by people like Carter and Obama that people are just basically good. It's the wrong assumption. I mean, the Bible mm -hmm. teaches that. But they're thinking that, you know, the dictator can actually, you can appeal to their better instincts and you just can't do it. Mary on the line from San Angelo. Mary, what do you think? Well, I um, happen to agree that I think John McCain would probably be the better choice of the three for our leader. Uh, reason his experience, uh, one in the military, his uh, background in the government as our Senate, and I, th I just think that speaks a lot for mm. it. He has the other two have really no experience actually being anything in command uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the military, no, no military background, either one of them. And um, I think he speaks the truth, you know, to say that, we, you know, we can talk to these people till we're blue in the face, but as long as there's evil in their heart, which, you know, obviously there is, um, there's nothing you can do about it except for let let God take care of them and just, you know, continue to what we're doing and support our military because uh, that's all we can do is just pray and put it in God's hands. Thanks so much, Mary. Good leader. Thank you so much. We've got one more caller on the line, Eve from Dallas. Eve, what's your view? Well, um, thank you so much for taking my call. I think that my view is probably not going to be um, the popular view among your listeners. That's all right. You've got about 45 seconds. We're up on a commercial. <laughs> Go ahead and give it out. That's fine. I think that we have to be really careful about labeling um, a certain culture or a certain group of people as being good and labeling another culture or group of people as being bad. I think that depending on the part of the world you come from, what experience you have had in your life, um, you're going to look at situations from a different perspective. Um, I'm not trying to say that Aminajad, I can't pronounce his name properly, is, is a wonderful man, a God-fearing man. I'm not saying that. But when we're talking about politics, I think that sometimes, especially we evangelical Christians, sound so divisive. And we're not really speaking in a language that tells the world that... Um, 
Eve, you we've know, got to go. I, we've got to go. I really appreciate you calling, but I do disagree. Uh, Romans 13 talks about the evildoers, and there's only one solution for that, and that's the sword of government, uh, not the negotiating table. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pentadextra. We'll be right back. any ruins in Narnia. I wonder who lived here. I think we did. I think it's time we found out what went on here. Who are you? I am Prince Gaspian. Well, a lot's gone down in the 1,303 Narnian years that have elapsed since uh, the Pevensey kids were last in Narnia. Remember those cute kids? Well, they're a little older in this movie, uh, and uh, they're wonderful from what we hear from Ted Bear. And uh, we are encouraging you to go on opening weekend to see Prince Caspian of the Narnia movies, the C.S. Lewis-inspired uh, motion picture. I'm going to go tomorrow, and I hope you do, too. Mm. People are talking about prison reform, and there really ought to be a Christian view of criminal justice and restitution, and um, that's what we want to talk about right now, because we've got a man on the line who has experience, and he also has a vision. We're going to talk with Bill Robinson of Correction Concepts. Uh, Bill has experience in the prison system, but he also has a vision for a faith-based Work Ethic Corrections Facility. Bill, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Dr. Johnson. Hey, Bill, uh, the first thing I want to do is just let the folks know your story, your prison experience, and uh, the change that came into your life. Well, Doctor, I did uh, seven and a half calendar years in a nine-year period in prison from 62 to 71. I was a, 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 a doper and a drunk. I don't use the polite word alcoholic. I was a drunk, and uh, I was high-rolling and developing and producing and all of those things so far from God, uh, 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 from my upbringing, that it took prison uh, to bring me down, and I was out nine years before I was saved, and then uh, God delivered me from alcohol and the drugs and, uh, and saved me all in one failed swoop. And then three years later, I made Jesus the Lord of my life, and right after that, he introduced me to Paul Carlin, who brought me into prison ministry. And I didn't want to go into the prison. I didn't <laughs> want to smell that smell. I didn't want to hear that noise. I knew they'd find some old charge, and I wouldn't get out. <laughs> and uh, But I led my first man to the Lord, and I was never the same. Wow. Bill, um, in that journey, you began to get a vision um, for prison ministry, uh, but that also indicates, and well, I want to talk about that in a minute, but it indicates to me that you saw something missing, something was wrong. What is your diagnosis of the prison system as we know it? Uh, what's missing right now? Well, what's missing is that the, the Christian influence that's going to be a continuing influence where the prison industry is a large business industry. And it thrives on the return of prisoners. Seventy percent that get out of prison go back. And, uh, and my view is that if they don't go back, the prison industry will feel like that they're threatened and that, uh, and that they would have to close prisons, as some Texas warden told me. 
So in order to do that, what's missing is uh, what Colson said, uh, uh, two things keep a man going back to prison. One is he has a change of mind and heart, and the other is somebody's waiting for him when he gets out. Bill, let me ask you this question. Sure. How many of our prisons are outsourced now to private contractors? They, that is, these are for-profit prisons. Uh, it's a, it's about 11,000 beds. Uh, the legislature, to try to do their alleviate their overcrowding, raised the cap to 18,000 beds, uh, which is the only way that they can utilize the for-profit prisons. And uh, and Governor Perry vetoed the bill. Now, you're just talking about Texas. I'm just talking about Texas. So yes. in Texas, we have 18,000 uh, for-profit... No, 11,000. 11,000 for-profit prison beds. So these people, you're saying, don't really have an interest in... Um, uh, rehabilitation. They they are they're interested in a return customer. That's right. Because wow. if they don't come back, they could be out of business. Wow, that's provocative. All right, let's get to this third point because I really want to move from the problem to the solution. What is the vision that you have for a faith based work ethic correction facility? In 1984, when Paul Carlin and I coordinated the Texas Simultaneous Prison Revival where we saw about 4,000 prisoners saved in 17 prisons in a simultaneous uh, three-day revival. Uh, the Lord laid this vision on my heart to go in. And, and, and my experience with visions, and I don't have much, is, is that uh, they're skeletons, and God uses time to flesh them out. And so the only thing I knew is God wanted me to do is go build a, a prison run by Christians, taking men in their last 12 to 24 months before they get out, bring industry inside, give them a job, pay them a wage, teach them a skill, and then meet them at the gate when they get out. Now, uh, the only way to do that is we're in charge if we uh, manage it. Now, so many things have happened since then. The EOC has said that in an opinion letter that we can hire people of like faith. Uh, we've got the defendant, American Center for Law and Justice, defend us all the way to the Supreme Court, pro bono on the constitutional issues. So much has happened since then to make it a reality which, but really what's happened is when George W. Bush was governor of Texas and uh, announced his faith-based and community initiatives and carried it on to Washington, then our effort began to accelerate uh, uh, rapidly. Mm. All right, Bill, this is Penna Dexter. So do you have a prison now? No. This is the first one ever in the United States. Uh, there's one it's in being built. that Colson saw where it's run by Christians. And he came back and wrote me a letter and said that he'd love to see a Hugh Maida project in, in the States. But because of the opposition and because of the uh, various and sundry onslaughts by, by the system itself, by the not-in-my-backyard folks and by the timid politicians mm -hmm. and all of that, uh, we're not there yet. But we're almost there. Okay, we've heard one other thing, that uh, Prison Fellowship has been fighting in the courts, because anything that's faith-based, of course, is going to be attacked by, you know, the secularists. That's what true. about that concept? Because I know these are private prisons, but there's got to be some federal money in it. Well, well, it's not private. It's owned by the county or the city. We They hire us as the manager. Okay. And as long as it's voluntary, uh, two things. Uh, uh, Colby May and Jay Sekulow from the American Center of Law mm -hmm. and Justice filed a 14-page brief with the Justice Department in our behalf that separated us from any of these other onslaughts by the ACLU or the separation of church and state folks that uh, that all of our uh, residents that uh, come, they sign an agreement to come and aware that it's a, that it's a Christian-run prison, but their, their worship practices will be accommodated without discrimination, 
without hostility and without interference. Uh, also, the choice has to be between a secular alternative and a sacred alternative. Okay. Bill, let me ask you this question, because you have a vision and you have zeal here. How can people pray or even get involved in what you're doing? Well, number one, they need to know about it. They need to contact us. They need to... How can they do that? Well, it's uh, our email is uh, hope at correctionsconcepts.org. Hope at correctionsconcepts.org. Correct. And our phone number is 972-437-4188. They need to have the information. If they want to be against it or for it, need to be for what it is, not what it isn't. Mm. The uh, Once they know about it, uh, then they can uh, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and know what they need to do. We must have a public partner. We must have a city or a county to partner with yes. because the contract for the inmates is not with us. It's with the uh, political subdivision. Bill, let me give out that phone number again. It's 972 437 4188, and that email is hope at correctionsconcepts.org. So, folks, if you catch this vision or if there's a stirring in your heart to know more about it, to pray about it, to get involved, call Bill, email Bill. Bill, sounds like someone's calling you right now. You better get on the line and catch this fish. We're going to let you go. Thanks so much, Bill Robinson of Corrections Concept. We'll talk to you later. All right, folks. Well, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. This reminds me of a story this week where um, there's a guy that might end up in prison who is a soldier. And today he spoke out. It's 24-year-old U.S. soldier Mathis Kiro openly defying the United States, saying he's not going to fight in Iraq. I stand before you today with the strength, clarity, and resolve to declare to the military my government, and the world that this soldier will not be deploying to Iraq. I choose to remain in the United States to defend myself from charges brought by the Army if they so wish to pursue them. I refuse to participate in the Iraq occupation. Sounds like he's been listening to some of the battles taking place in the Congress. I know that this week there was actually a war funding bill that uh, was turned down by the U.S. Congress because uh, one side, the Democrats, tried to lard it up with a whole lot of uh, spending. So uh, the Republicans stood against it. But they've been battling for years over funding the war. There's been all this rhetoric like we've been talking about uh, with uh, Senator Obama and others. So in a sense, uh, it's not surprising that there's a lot of uh, demoralized soldiers out there. Yeah, I think, Penna, uh, you know, what's really interesting to me is that uh, we listened to Obama earlier accuse the president of dividing the country when in fact again it's the left that's been dividing the country about the war in iraq they stood up and cheered president bush we play that sound every day at the beginning of this program we will not tire we will not falter we will not fail they stood up in unanimity when he gave that state of the union and they voted for this invasion of iraq And everyone said, we'll see it through. But of course now, they've used it for political advantage. They've called the president a liar. They've called it a phony war. You can't say that again and again and expect soldiers to be loyal and to believe in the cause. It undermines uh, the resolve of our military. Shame on those politicians who do it. 
This is the result, a soldier thinking he doesn't have to do his duty. He doesn't have to do what he said he would do uh, when he entered the military. Well, next week, don't forget, we're going to have How I Helped O.J. Get Away with Murder, former O.J. agent who regrets helping O.J. get away with murder. We'll be back with Dr. W.A. Criswell in a minute. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Hi, Peggy. This is Barack Obama calling to apologize on two fronts. Uh, One was, you didn't get your question answered, and I apologize. I thought that um, we had set up interviews with all the local stations. Uh, I guess we got it with your station, but you weren't the reporter that got the interview. And so I broke my word. I apologize for that, and I will make up for it. Uh, second apology for using the word sweetie. That's a bad habit of mine. I do it uh, sometimes uh, with, uh, with all kinds of people. Uh, need no disrespect. And so... Uh, I'm duly chastened on that front. Uh, feel free to call me back. Uh, I suspect that uh, my press team will be happy to try to make it up to you um, whenever we are uh, in Detroit next. All right, that's Barack Obama apologizing to a reporter. He called her Sweetie. Here it is. Hold, hold on one second, Sweetie. We're going to do a, we'll do a press event. <laughs> a I guess she was offended. <laughs> sweetie. Uh, listen, um, It's kind of sad today when um, everybody's so sensitive in the political context about being politically correct, and there are a lot of double standards out there when it comes to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and John McCain uh, that who who can use uh, these kinds of words. And uh, this this campaign is loaded with sexism. It's loaded with racism, and in McCain's case, probably ageism. And so we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of this going on. But we're really talking about substance today. And that is uh, Barack Obama as commander-in-chief. Well, we have to be able to talk about substance in a political campaign. And, you know, we're talking about this oversensitivity that takes place among feminists. I think women have an uh, oversensitivity sometimes to being treated like women. And I I criticize that uh, often. But Barack Obama also has some rules for the way people are supposed to treat him. And this was pointed out in a piece earlier this week by Rich Lowry from the National Review. And he says, here are the rules uh, for Obama. In detail, he says he can't be called a liberal. You're not allowed to call Barack Obama a liberal. He is uh, a liberal. But you cannot question his toughness on the war on terror. 
Uh, I he, do. He calls that attempts to play on our fears. His extreme positions on social issues cannot be exposed. I will. Yeah, we will. We'll continue to do that. Uh, he says these are efforts to distract us from the issues that affect our lives. Uh, I think He's we just wrong. have to think back one day to the um, the decision in California on gay marriage. Also, his Chicago background is off limits, and also no, pan- it isn't. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Pouncing on every gaffe and association and fake controversy, he says. But most of these are real history that people have been talking about. Well, look, um, this isn't softball. And uh, we've got several months. And McCain's got his own problems. And we have gone after McCain here on this program before, no doubt about it. But uh, we're going to expose Obama and uh, reveal his position. He has been ranked the most liberal senator in the U.S. Senate by the National Interest Magazine. And uh, there's just no way he can avoid that tag or the substance when it comes to issues like abortion, and when it comes to issues like terrorism, when it comes to issues like negotiating with the terrorist. Um, the Neville Chamberlain style of foreign policy failed in World War II. When Chamberlain came back and said, I've met with Hitler, and I have a sheet of paper in my hand, and he waved it and said, peace in our time. Everybody said, oh, isn't he great? And uh, all of a sudden, they were being bombed uh, in London. That's not the long danger after of that. appeasement. That really is the danger of appeasement, because they let them go into other countries of Europe and didn't stop them early on. And I think Obama is naive to think that he can no- negotiate with the terrorist. Well, we'll keep you updated on this uh, presidential race, but I'm excited about something that's happening this Sunday night at 7 o'clock. It's called WACriswell.com, and we've been remembering the heritage of Dr. W.A. Criswell, really in beginning this ministry called KCBI. I want you to listen to something right now. KCBI, remembering our past and celebrating our future. Travel back with us 32 years ago, back to 1976, when Dr. W.A. Criswell announced the new ministry of KCBI. I have a glad announcement to make this morning from Richard Curley, who is a moving spirit in establishing our new radio station, KCBI. This will be the first day that our new station is broadcasting all three of our services. It is a station not that belongs to the First Baptist Church. It belongs to our biblical center, our Bible Institute, and will soon be in operation 24 hours a day. I passed by an institution in the city of Dallas and a man stopped me and he said, listen to that. This was Friday and I stopped to listen and he had it tuned to our radio station and it stays tuned all day long. We thank God for that and are looking forward to an increasing blessedness as the gospel message is broadcast in song, in sermon, in scripture exposition, in biblical lessons that are taught on that new gift to us from heaven. KCBI, remembering our past and celebrating our future. 
We thank God for the vision of Dr. Criswell, Richard Curley, and the Criswell College in establishing KCBI. And we believe God will use listeners like you to take this ministry to the next level. A ministry of the Criswell College and Criswell Communications. This is 90.9 KCBI. All right, that's Dr. W.A. Criswell. He'll be preaching at 7 o'clock on Sunday night. It's called WACriswell.com. You don't want to miss that. He was one of a kind. Penna, uh, did you ever meet Dr. Criswell? What did he seem like to you? I met Dr. Criswell probably sometime in the early 90s. I just happened to be at KCBI, and he he was there. He walked in, uh, and uh, he was warm and friendly, and uh, he sort of had a mischievous gleam in his eye. <laughs> seemed like he was lots of fun, and uh, of course, uh, since I've been here working with you, I've heard so many of his sermons, clips from his sermons, and just the wisdom you know that came from the pulpit of First Baptist for 50 mm. years. Well, let me tell you about him, folks. He believed the Bible was the inerrant, infallible Word of God. Dr. W.A. Criswell, based upon that belief, preached the Bible. He took about 18 years and preached from Genesis to Revelation. He preached through the whole Bible. After that, he went back and did a doctrinal series through the Bible. In fact, we're turning that doctrinal series into a curriculum for correspondence, particularly for international folks uh, in other countries. And we're excited uh, working on that project right now. But this show Sunday night uh, will bless your heart. It's 7 o'clock on KCBI, KSYE, KCRN. It's called WACriswell.com. He's going to be preaching this week a message called The Gospel of Isaiah. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he dramatizes this message of Isaiah. You don't want to miss it. Tune in Sunday night, 7 o'clock. The website is WACriswell.com. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.